Hi, welcome to Talking Usework. My name is Rui Branco and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can use workers shake up, upgrade and innovate on their daily work. As our podcast continues to grow with nearly 4,000 downloads throughout the globe, we are starting to partner up with great institutions that want to support this project and that can be a source of inspiration for all of us. In the following weeks, there will be five episodes sponsored by the Youth at Work Partnership. This is a project in Europe that focuses on employability and entrepreneurship. And today we talked with Raluca Diorescu, the coordinator of Youth at Work Partnership. And we talked about what is the mission behind this initiative and what is the importance of developing competences in young people to prepare them for the job market and for the possibility of starting their own businesses. What stayed in my mind after this conversation is that entrepreneurship is really about allowing young people to have the tools and to trust them to create their own jobs. It's not about pushing them to take risks, but rather to teach them how to take risks, how to assess risks. And more than that, is to help them to create any initiative they feel relevant in their life, even if they are working for others, even if they're deciding to be change makers, maybe youth workers, especially if they are activists trying to start new movements of change in their community. I'm personally very invested in that perspective, so I'm happy to invite you to join us on this episode and talk some youth work. Hello, Raluca. Hello, Rui. Hello. Hello, Anita. Hello, Rui. Hello, Raluca. Hello, Anita. <laughs> it's funny how we start these presentations. Um, today... It's a presentation triangle. It's a... Yes. <laughs> we should write it down as an exercise now for these online moments. Everybody's online, working online. So how to make presentations online. Uh, Rui, you are in near Lisbon, right? Yes. I'm in Lisbon as well. And Raluca, you are where at this moment? And I am in, in Paris, in France. Very cool. So again, we are in different places of the world connecting and trying to inspire people um, that work with young people in whatever nature that, that can be. Uh, Raluca, you are the coordinator at uh, Youth at Work, a partnership and network of European level, right? Did I say that correctly? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, and you live in Paris? Yes, I do. <laughs> You're not uh, originally from Paris, right? No, I'm not. I am Romanian and I've been living abroad for more or less 12 years. Wow. Do you miss Romania? I wouldn't say I do because I actually go back and forth quite often. I, I tend to keep a close connection to my home country, of course. Oh, that's nice. The first question that we like to ask our guests here is a little bit about your past. How did you end up in youth work? <laughs> Thanks for, for this question uh, that I don't really get very often unless I decide to reveal some parts of, of my history with youth work. 
it's a very interesting story actually and i think it, it's a bit uh, related to my my destiny of uh, of getting connected professionally to youth work because i'm not a youth worker uh, myself uh, i would call myself a youth work supporter a very big youth work uh, supporter my story with youth work started back in 2007 when you might remember that the youth in action program kicked off and I was lucky enough to participate in two youth exchanges that took place in Turkey and Macedonia. And I was a student back then. And uh, it was the first time that I had uh, an actual contact with uh, in the international youth work environment. And I fell in love. And I said that at some point in my future, in my professional uh, path, I need to uh, be in touch with, with youth work. I need to work for this sector. And so I did because uh, my, my international youth work experience uh, motivated me to uh, to choose this uh, path professionally and I got to work for I actually moved abroad I moved to Paris where I studied and then I ended up working for the European Commission in Brussels where I stayed for eight years and I continued uh, my experience in the youth work sector by working for the Salto Youth Participation Resource Center and then uh, after eight years in Brussels, I decided to come back to Paris two years ago, two and a half years ago, when I actually started my adventure with the Youth at Work partnership. So this is a nut, in a nutshell how I got to to be connected to youth work. And I'm, I would say that it's the best environment for me because it enables me to combine my emotional and my rational side uh, in, in my work. Wow. So it all started with the youth exchange. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's the emotional part. Yes. Very <laughs> and I believe I'm not the only one in uh, in Europe to reveal such a story. It's true. There's, there's a lot of youth workers that uh, started their passion about youth work and started seeing themselves as youth workers while being participants in youth exchanges or similar activities. So I think that says a lot about the empowerment going on in these events. Yes, exactly. We hear a lot as babies or youth in action babies. Um, and uh, my story is not with a baby, it's with the, the, how my career was shaped. True. So you've studied in Paris. What have you studied? I studied international uh, relations and European affairs. Okay. So very much related to my topic. And I I uh, focused on uh, European policies for education, youth, sports and culture. And I ended up doing it actually later on. <laughs> Very cool. Very, very cool. And very cool to have somebody with that profile supporting youth work. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so now you are currently you are coordinating Youth at Work. And what is Youth at Work? Youth at Work, I will try to, to explain what it is in a very clear way for everybody to understand. Um, and by the end of, of this interview, I hope that everybody will will understand, will comprehend the, the structure and will ver see very clearly the benefits of, of Youth at Work. So Youth at Work is a transnational institutional alliance of 16 Erasmus Plus national agencies and Salto Youth Resource Centers, focusing on the promotion of youth employability and entrepreneurship with the support of the Erasmus Plus and the European Solidarity Corps EU programs. So we started uh, back in 2018, uh, in January 2018, okay. when all these uh, national agencies and Salto Youth Resource Centers gathered 
and uh, decided to start this uh, strategy together. A strategy, a strategy that is supported by two budget lines of the uh, Erasmus Plus and European Solidarity Core programs. That is the TCA budget line, transnational cooperation activities that many people, many of uh, our listeners are very much familiar with. And also the, the net uh, budget line, that is the capacity building budget line uh, of the European Solidarity Core program. Very good. Well, just to clarify, because a lot of our listeners actually are not in Europe, just to clarify that the national agencies uh, that Raluca mentioned are actually the entities in each European country, uh, the countries of the European Union, that they, they these are the entities that manage this kind of global budget that exists to support, in this case, education and in, in our most specific case, youth sector, right? Yes, that's correct. So... Um, um, so these are, these are entities that try to put up a national strategy to promote the youth sector and have these budget lines related to the Erasmus Plus program and the European Solidarity Corps. Yes, uh, absolutely. National agencies are responsible of developing a national strategy to, to promote uh, these programs to current and potential beneficiaries. But then on top of developing the, their national strategies, they also have the responsibility of establishing partnerships with the other national agencies in order to ensure um, a certain synergy between their activities. So it, it's always everybody knows that cooperation brings innovation, brings a wealth of expertise. So right. Youth at Work is actually based on this international cooperation of several Erasmus Plus national agencies and Salto Youth uh, Resource Centers. And I forgot to mention that our leader, there's a, a, a leading a national agency, and that is the National Agency for the Erasmus Plus Program of Turkey. Turkey? Yes. Okay. What were the needs that led the uh, 16 national agencies to come together and work on this topic? I mean, in, back in 2018, why, why, why this strategy became uh, so relevant for them? I would say that there are several reasons that... Uh, motivated the national agencies and Salto Youth Resource Centers to work together. First of all, it was the topic itself. The topic of youth employability and entrepreneurship was highly relevant to all of them. Among their uh, national priority list, there was also uh, this topic. They were all um, making a lot of efforts in order to promote this, in order to uh, let's say, decrease the unemployment rate among their uh, young people. And um, also, when it comes to the connection between youth work and youth employability and entrepreneurship, there was a big need to do more about it, uh, a big need to ensure, to make sure actually that youth work was more visible and its role was more visible uh, when it comes to supporting youth employability and entrepreneurship. And uh, I have to say that the work of national agencies on the topics of youth and, uh, employability and entrepreneurship didn't start in 2018. It actually started in 2012 when the European Commission starting um, motivating national agencies from the youth sector to also 
give this uh, topic of youth employability and entrepreneurship uh, go. So they, the national agencies from the youth sector started taking very shy steps towards uh, this topic by exploring the meaning, what do we mean exactly by entrepreneurship, what, what do we mean by entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial education or learning. So there were some efforts that were being made by some national agencies, but there was no joint initiative, no joint way of, of looking at the matter from the perspective of national agencies. Um, and we all we all know that it's not very efficient to work in isolation. I mean, nobody was working in isolation because in order to use the TCA budget, you need to have uh, multilateral cooperations between national agencies, but there was one cooperation here, another cooperation there between two, three or four national agencies, and there was no common vision. And um, national agencies reached this conclusion and uh, that they needed to work together in order to increase the impact of their activities. And therefore, they decided to come together in January 2018 with uh, four Salto Youth Resource Centers uh, and create uh, Youth at Work, this strategy, this common strategy that uh, emphasizes, enhances the contribution that Erasmus Plus and specifically the youth sector of Erasmus Plus could bring to supporting youth employability and entrepreneurship. I have one question uh, about youth employability. Is you, you said that the countries are working together, the different partners so are working together to have a, a common idea or common solution for this or that problem. And what I want to know is regarding work, do they create jobs locally or they spread the employability through the several countries? How does it work in the terrain of having local jobs or international companies? I don't know the, the outcome. Uh, this is actually an excellent question because there might be some confusion among our uh, listeners. I have to make this clear now that national agencies cannot create jobs. <laughs> uh, on their own as such, it's definitely not part of their mission to create jobs and to boost youth employability and entrepreneurship on their own. Their mission, and actually this gets me to the actual actions of Youth at Work, is to organize events, actually to develop projects that can take the form of events mainly, that um, bring together professionals that have the possibility to create jobs or to support uh, job creation themselves or uh, individually or by um, combining their efforts, joining their efforts with other professionals from their countries or from elsewhere in, in Europe and beyond. So actually our activities are uh, knowledge sharing, capacity building and networking events that bring together a variety of professionals from the youth employability and entrepreneurship ecosystem from all over Europe and the partner neighboring regions. That And these actually, uh, these events are platforms that enable our uh, participants to exchange ideas, to exchange practices, to develop uh, partnerships and to, um, to spark innovation as well. So maybe you can give us an example of how would one of these events uh, look like? And I know there might be different, of different natures, but still, uh, what could one expect in such an event from, from Youth at Work? 
Um, it's a, it's a, actually a great pleasure to talk about the variety of our events because we are uh, very much invested into the format of our events, into the uh, uh, the content of the events in order to make them as uh, valuable and as uh, useful as possible to our beneficiaries, to our um, participants. We have a variety of, of uh, event formats. It could start from a training course, a study visit, a seminar, a workshop, all the way to a forum or a, or a conference, a large-scale event. We have, uh, I could I could zoom in on, on many, but I, I choose to take the example of uh, an event that you're very familiar with, Anita, uh, because we, we collaborated in the past on, on this event, and this is the Towards Collaborative practice forum on social innovation and social entrepreneurship. This is an event that has been running from uh, 2015, and it has been so successful that Youth at Work decided to incorporate it into our range of activities. Uh, and this, uh, we have actually two uh, forums coming up, one in uh, Cyprus this year, in the autumn, in September, and uh, this will be the sixth edition of the TCP Forum. And then we also have one in uh, February in Malta, uh, the seventh edition of, of TCP. And uh, just to tell you in a few words what this event is all about, it is a three-day conference with more or less uh, uh, 70 participants coming from all over Europe as well as the partner uh, neighboring regions, and they have the opportunity to um, to be in a very very participatory environment because we we try to stay as far away as possible from the normal formal conference formats. Uh, mm -hmm. We actually give the participants the space for them to express themselves, to exchange their ideas, to exchange their practices, and to come up with with new things together to actually. Um, create the space for, for co-creation and for um, self-development, I would say. Okay, so if I come up to one of these events as a youth worker, what kind of other actors could I meet there specifically? I believe that uh, here I could also sneak, let's say, mm. our target groups into the, uh, uh, into the discussion, um, because it, this is very relevant for the question. Uh, we are, with Youth at Work, we are targeting uh, the free sectors, so the, the non-profit, public and private sectors. So the people that actually attend our events are representatives of the these three sectors. I remember that back in 2012, when I was working for Salto Youth Participation and taking the first steps, as I said earlier, uh, to approaching youth employability and entrepreneurship through the youth work angle, we were complaining a lot that our participants were the usual uh, suspects from the youth work sector. And we couldn't actually have a meaningful conversation about the topic because we actually lacked the other sectors. Right. Uh, we can't really do things in isolation and we need people with various ways of thinking, with various backgrounds in order to come up with new angles for, for looking at, at this topic. So we've overcome this obstacle of dealing with the usual youth work suspects. Um, now we have... Among our participants, we have representatives of all the sectors, I, I would say. So there are policymakers, researchers, uh, representatives of, of the private sector, so people from companies, from incubators, accelerators, social entrepreneurs, social innovators, young change makers. So it's, 
it's really a diversity of um, of professionals that one can meet when attending our events. And yes. how can someone attend one of your events? I'm curious. It's very simple, actually. <laughs> this way needs to go through the Salto Youth uh, platform because this is the place where we actually publish our calls for participants. So every time we organize an event, we launch an open call for participants. Uh, people uh, are able to apply online via, via an application form on the Salto Youth uh, website. And then they are selected by their national agencies from the countries where they reside. Uh, so let's say you are Portuguese, your application will be uh, assessed by the uh, National Agency for Erasmus Plus of Portugal, and then your participation costs will be covered by them. So the, the travel cost, the international and national travel cost, whereas the, uh, the hosting, the board and lodging will be covered by the national agency that is actually hosting the event. So uh, the your participation cost will be almost 100% covered by uh, by us, by the organizing national agencies. And this is a big privilege uh, nowadays because, uh, for example, you know, we all uh, search on, on Google for interesting events and we sometimes we find some brilliant uh, conferences, but then we look at the participation conditions and we see that there's a participation fee that is considerable. It costs a lot of money to take the plane and go to Stockholm and so on. So it makes it impossible for a lot of uh, people to actually participate in these events. And knowing that one of the main target groups of Erasmus Plus and of the European Solidarity Corps programs are people with fewer opportunities, uh, this 100% uh, funding uh, uh, provided by Erasmus Plus is an extra plus, uh, indeed. Yes, nice. It is, it is. And I, I'm, like you said, I've been, I had the pleasure and the honor to be able to cooperate with you in the previous uh, two TCP forums. Um, and I can attest to that diversity of the participants and how the energy uh, that, that is created in such an event is very interesting and very different because you feel that you're putting in dialogue different sectors. Um, and for this topic of uh, employability entrepreneurship, it's really important that youth workers listen to the employers, that employers listen to the public um, authorities, that researchers listen to everyone else and kind of have a grasp on uh, what's going on, what are the pains and gains of, of each one of these actors and how they can collaborate. And I wanted to ask you, um, is there any examples of results from these TCPs already? I know there, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to measure things when they are starting, and it's been um, now two years, or let's say three years. How many editions of the TCP forum specifically? So far, we've organized five editions. Yeah. So my question was about this: Do you have? Uh, an example, a story uh, of, of something that uh, a successful project or an ongoing project that came out of this uh, one of these events? Oh, <laughs> I love this kind of questions because uh, stories can make a huge difference uh, mm -hmm. to everybody, I would say, because they bring inspiration. They show you that it's possible that you can do it as well. They show you that uh, your story can be important because sometimes we minimize the, uh, the importance of our work or our importance as individuals, as uh, professionals. So if you are put in the limelight through storytelling, it can really change lives. I believe that, you know, there is, it's common knowledge that events like this 
make a huge difference to people's uh, lives and, and professional lives. We actually, uh, uh, one year ago, we conducted an impact study for DCP and mm-hmm. tried to extract some success stories. Uh, we tried to look at how this project had an impact on uh, our participants' uh, path uh, in life. And we had some very interesting stories. For example, I remember one of our participants from um, Greece who decided to pursue his studies with a PhD on uh, social entrepreneurship because at uh, an edition of of TCP, he was enlightened by something that one of our speakers said and by some discussion that he had with other participants. And he decided that he needed to know more about the topic and a PhD would be the perfect option for that. Uh, We also had, and this is of course one of the expected outcomes of such an event, to have uh, Erasmus Plus funded project, so to have actual project proposals that we would be submitted to national agencies afterwards. And we had many projects that were submitted by our participants, and they actually started cooperating during the event. They uh, made the cooperation firmer after the conference, and they were able to submit proposals that were funded. So this is uh, also something that uh, is quite interesting. And then we had uh, we had people who found uh, funders for their ideas as well. I remember that our at our first DCP that took place in Malmo in Sweden in 2015, we had a pitching uh, session, and we had some young entrepreneurs with some innovative ideas that were given the floor to talk about those ideas. And there were people in the room among the participants who decided to support their ideas, either financially or by offering them. Uh, other types of of resources. Uh, And here it could be mentoring, it could be coaching, uh, and so on. Well, very interesting. I I wanted also to to tackle here, uh, I think, a fear or a resistance that I I sometimes feel in in the sector of youth, which is when employability and entrepreneurship became more common concepts uh, within European youth work. And the youth strategy kind of mentioned them as central due to the high rates of youth unemployment we were facing after the crisis. I felt that there was a lot of resistance from youth workers and youth institutions to kind of embrace this topic. Uh, I think it gave them the feeling that suddenly youth work was only important to get people jobs and it was all about money and it was all about giving answers to the needs of companies and no longer giving answers to the true needs of young people. I don't know if you felt it. So my first question would be, do you you, you also sometimes feel this resistance? And what would you tell to to somebody who has this kind of fears? (laughs) How could I uh, become the advocate of uh, (laughs) of the connection between youth work and uh, entrepreneurship? Exactly. (laughs) This is a, a question that I like very much because this reflects very well my experience with working uh, on the topic. This is how we actually started, with a lot of resistance from the youth work uh, world. Uh, When we embarked on tackling the topic of uh, youth entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship education and learning, I remember that there were many voices who were very strong against this uh, cooperation, this association between youth work and entrepreneurship. 
and mainly because of the values that youth work promotes. So it was a, a clash of, uh, of values, first of all, because youth work, and everybody knows uh, about that, it's about the social impact. It's about solidarity. It's about empathy, uh, supporting the, the ones that are weaker, that need support. It's about community building and, and so on. Whereas entrepreneurship in the commercial uh, sense, in the business sense, it's about competition. It's about uh, the survival of the fittest uh, and so on and so forth. And people were saying, okay, how could we embark in such a direction if our essence is totally uh, in contradiction with uh, what is expected yeah. from us. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of the first steps that we took was to clarify what exactly do we mean by that? What do we mean by entrepreneurship? Is it only about enterprise creation? Is it more than that? Uh, and it took a great deal of time to actually um, uh, overcome this, this first obstacle. But as soon as we started talking about it, uh, we realized that there were so many connections between youth work and entrepreneurship, because entrepreneurship is obviously more than just setting up your own venture. Entrepreneurship is about having uh, the entrepreneurial spirit, is about having certain entrepreneurship competence, uh, competencies that can be useful in any area of uh, life. It could be about making you a more efficient employee or it could make you a more active citizen. So it has benefits uh, for all areas in somebody's uh, life. And also something that we discovered that youth work can uh, do is to help young people to make informed decisions when it comes to their choice of embracing an entrepreneurial career. Because one of the main target groups of, of youth workers uh, have been and will always be young people with your opportunities, as I uh, said before. Also one of the main target groups of Erasmus+. Plus. And we know that these people can could never be pushed into an entrepreneurial career because there are so many risks that are out there. You don't have enough experience, you don't have enough knowledge, your network is not big enough, mm -hmm. you know, don't know the right people that could support you at the right moment. And something that youth work could do is to help these people make an informed decision, help these people choose either to go for an entrepreneurial career or to go in a different uh, direction. And this is very valuable because this could have a, a significant impact on the lives of these people. And youth work is very strategically placed for this. And I don't believe that there are other sectors that are so close to young people with your opportunities and that have their confidence. It's, it's very important. And actually, youth workers have the trust of young people with your opportunities. And this is something that very rarely happens uh, with representatives of the a private sector, for example. Young people with your opportunities would be quite reluctant to engaging into a fair partnership with uh, the private sector representatives, for example, or even sometimes with formal education representatives because they are dropouts. Some of them drop out from school and uh, and they, they don't feel they can trust their interlocutors. So definitely it, there has been this, uh, this clash, there has been this challenge to convince youth workers to, to give entrepreneurship a chance and to see how they could actually support, where do they come in this picture. And one important conclusion was the fact that we could never do, do things on our own. We always need to find partners, reliable partners, that um, 
come from other sectors that look at this uh, problem through a different angle in order to complement our own. And this is what Youth at Work is actually doing, creating a platform for all these people, all these professionals with different backgrounds to come together and see, hey, I do this, you do that. Maybe we can do something different together. I was yes. listening and I was thinking that one thing that from listening to you and your explanation, thinking about empowering through skill development, because entrepreneurship and youth work, they have the same goal. They want to empower people through skill development. It can be through entrepreneurial skills, emotional skills, social skills, uh, life skills, you can call it, but it's empowering people. They both have the same aim. Absolutely, yes. I, I, it's a, a great way of summing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. And, and I think that that, um, that is something to bear in mind, that there's a difference between the world of companies and private ventures that doesn't have to necessarily be in the dark side, you know, like we normally portray it. <laughs> course but there's a difference between that and developing competences in young people that are called entrepreneurial competences which have to do with sense of initiative with being able to put an idea into a project to write things down to invite people to find partners and all these competences like you said and very well they're they're valid for so many areas of a young person's life not only to create a startup or or to Uh, go to a job interview. But even that, to go well prepared to a job interview or to be able to start up their own venture is something that is very related, I think, to youth work values. And like you said, a lot of times people don't see that bridge because that is the lift that takes young people out of poverty. It is the lift that takes them out of social exclusion many times. It's a job or a business or an initiative of some kind that gives them financial autonomy. And I, I do believe that sometimes youth workers overlook that important aspect of everybody's life. And I think youth at work kind of puts that back in the spot. And again, not just for youth workers, but for all the sectors to put that back in the, the spot. How can a young person uh, bring their creativity to innovate, bring their solutions to solve problems and find financial autonomy to strive throughout life and that's really important it gives them power to choose exactly yes they can choose to work for another person or they can choose to finance their own company have the startup they don't become powerless to the situation Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, it wouldn't be fair if when a youth worker presents a young person with several career options, because sometimes they need to do that as well. Mm -hmm. The career guidance part uh, is one of the several things that a youth worker needs to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you need to present a young person with the options that they have uh, when it comes to their career, I believe that it wouldn't be fair if you didn't give entrepreneurship a chance because it's something that can bring a lot of fulfillment to young people there because there are some, no matter if they come from a disadvantaged background or from an advantaged uh, background, I don't like that because we are always disadvantaged at, uh, at, at some point. Um, it, it wouldn't be fair if they didn't have the, uh, the opportunity to also explore this option to see maybe some of the competencies that I 
I was able to develop thanks to my formal education, thanks to my non-formal learning experiences, maybe they are compatible with what is expected from an entrepreneur, what would make an entrepreneur successful. And uh, and also youth work is also a, a great space for something that uh, some people are very reluctant to, to talk about, and that is failure. Youth work is the perfect environment to enable young people to make mistakes because you have all these activities when you can try out your uh, your ideas, your competencies and so on, and you can make mistakes and very importantly, learn from them. Yeah. Something that will enable you to be successful next time. Maybe you will make another mistake, but then you will keep on learning because every time you will need to reflect back on what happened and extract some learning points that will push you forward. And another thing that I wanted to to say as a reaction to what uh, you, Anita, were saying and also uh, Rui, is that uh, this association uh, between youth work and entrepreneurship also provides youth work with something that we've always been striving for, visibility, a recognition of our value. Yes. Because in order to tackle entrepreneurship, as I said several times before, you cannot work in isolation. You need to work with reliable partners. You all have to work in isolation. (laughs) (laughs) But together, together in isolation. It's never never alone. Exactly. So you need to work with partners that can trust you, that you can trust, that would recognize you for who you are, for what you can bring. And what better way to obtain recognition in a different way that we have been obtaining it uh, so far? Because, you know, there has been this ongoing discussion for, for years. And whenever I attended an event focusing on youth work recognition, I rarely heard a discussion about entrepreneurship and what entrepreneurship can bring to youth work. It's true. It, it's, a, it's a little bit um, uh, still somewhere there as something that youth workers are very critical about. Um, and I, and I, I wanted to link that with can, uh, two can topics. Can I just that... add one thing uh, yes. to this? Is that <laughs> it's, I was thinking if, if we talk about entrepreneurial mindset, you, can ha- you, can, you don't have to be an, an entrepreneur, but you can have the same mindset of trying, uh, of being open to ideas, open to collaboration. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You can have those skills in work in a company or it's your choice. Again, sorry, Anita, you can go. (laughs) It's okay. It makes sense. And and it links a little bit with what I was going to say, because I, I I was sharing that I think the fear that I recognize also in myself as a youth worker is that by promoting entrepreneurial competences, I'm promoting this dream in young people that they can create a company and well, get rich or something like that. And that the risk is too high and that I might not be realistic enough with them about what risks does it entail. And on the same time, I might be undermining a social state that I believe in. So I'm, I'm kind of pushing people to a position of uh, precarity, of not being able to have all their rights assured by a third party, but taking the risk all on their own. And I think many times I had to, when I was delivering training on entrepreneurship, I had to go through this with, with participants, teachers, educators, youth workers, to explain that, well, actually, 
risk taking is one big part of, of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial uh, competencies to be able to analyze your risks. Maybe if a young person wants to make home uh, cakes, they want to you know do cake de decor. Maybe they can do that as a side job to the, another job that they're doing or to study, or it doesn't have to be that they drop everything out to dedicate themselves to make cakes or to create a startup on technology or anything else. We have to help them understand risks in general. And again, this then applies to other fields. Also, you have to assess risks when you are voting for somebody or when you're deciding uh, how to deal with, you know, your life in terms of ecology and, and how, how you're deciding to take flights or take trains or take the car or, or when you shop. All that is, is about also understanding risk. And that can be a great added value of entrepreneurial competence building. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, let's face it, everything is a risk. Exactly. Whatever you take, it entails a certain level of, of risk. And also about entrepreneurship, people need to understand that there are several forms and several degrees of entrepreneurship. Of course, there is always some kind of risk that is associated to choosing this uh, career option. But there are safer ways of entrepreneurship. And... Uh, ways that enable you to not do it on your own, because this is something that young people need to understand, that we are never alone uh, when it comes to being entrepreneurs. We always need to be aware that having a, a good team around us that can support us, that can complement our competencies is of utmost importance. And when I say about uh, different forms of entrepreneurship, you can be a freelancer, you can be a social entrepreneur, you can be a change maker in your, in your community, in the society. Yeah. This is also a form of entrepreneurship. And there are several degrees before reaching to the level of uh, Steve Jobs, for example. He also <laughs> had a long career behind him before he got the CEO, became the CEO of Apple. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't overlook all these different stages that transform you into an entrepreneur as a company owner or one of the, the owners or as a, an employee or a community uh, leader. Yeah, just, just like that. And yeah. I was thinking of something that you were saying that we are never, uh, never alone. Even the solo entrepreneur or solopreneur, I don't know how to call it, <laughs> he has to work with the clients. He's never alone. And when you, when you start to think in an entrepreneurial mindset, you start to see where you can help and solve people's problem. That can be also a way to look at it. You have to develop empathy if you want to be an entrepreneur, because if you have a product or a service, you're solving someone's problem. You have to understand what is their problem and how can you help. So oh. I don't see that we should uh, separate being uh, socially aware and being entrepreneurial. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's, that's an important message from this episode, that an entrepreneur, like you said, Raluca, and very well, can be a change maker in a community, can be a freelance. And uh, we tend to forget that and only think of uh, CEOs. <laughs> and it's not true. Well, we're getting to the end of our conversation here. I had one short question to make you. It's mostly of a provocation going on, on to this uh, entrepreneur mindset, let's say. In times of pandemic, where people are locked up or at least very restricted in their movement, what would you tell a young entrepreneur or a young change maker or a young 
freelancer, somebody who is trying to take initiative and, and change something and do something for themselves, what advice would you have for somebody like that? I think this is the, uh, the advice that I would give myself and that I would give anyone because in the end we are all the same when it comes to our needs in these uh, times of, of crisis. I've seen uh, on social media, because this is what we do uh, nowadays, we are on social media, uh, a lot of um, of hours of, of the day. Listening to podcasts, for example. Exactly, exactly, for example. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, reading a lot of things, a lot of inspirational posts that uh, people uh, make on uh, social media. And one of them uh, was, if you can't go outside, go inside. And I think that this is the perfect moment to do that, to actually take some time to know yourself, to know who you really are, what your priorities are. Because as an entrepreneur, you need to set your priorities straight because there are always things to do. There are always offers out there or things to solve, as uh, Hui was saying. And you need to realize what matters the most to you in order to have very clear in your head what you need to do first. Of course, there are things that... uh, have been put on hold because you can't do it you can't do them from home but there are many other things that you can do you can do more research you can read you can enrich your uh, yourself you can widen your horizons you can get inspiration you can meditate and these are things that we very often overlook when we have a so-called normal life and i believe that now it's the time to do that And uh, hopefully we will come with a a better uh, outlook on life after this uh, after this crisis is over and we will be able to change this what was before called a normality. (laughs) <laughs> let's hope, let's hope. Uh, for me the, there are two words that have been guiding me through this uh, pandemic something I heard from Seth Godin it's towards its resilience and generosity this is the time to be resilient and generous it's easy okay. to go to the supermarket and buy all the toilet paper you can find or you can share the toilet paper it's about generosity If in, he talks about when we can give to others it's also a message to ourselves that we're okay. We can still give to others. Exactly. And actually, I have to remind you too that somebody left a present for Luca, our last guest, Mark Taylor. The dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) The child dinosaur, as he put him himself. He left a question, a very generous question for uh, you, Luca. And uh, Hui, do you have it there? Yes, and it's very appropriate. Um, it's what could be the role of youth work in preventing a new coronavirus pandemic? <laughs> Such a topical question. <laughs> I love it, actually, because uh, especially nowadays, you know, we see all these um, heroes that are being uh, praised and for a very good reason. We see the medical staff, all the doctors that are being applauded. And then you, of course, you feel a lot of admiration for them. But at the same time, you try to question yourself. Okay, what is my role in all this? And I believe that this uh, questioning should also be something that youth workers experience. What could I do in this uh, situation? What could I do to to prevent a future pandemic? This is something that could be a very big effort to, to tackle. But it's something that we most certainly could 
bring an answer to. Uh, I believe that an important uh, thing that uh, youth work can bring is from an individual perspective. First of all, is about uh, all the values that uh, youth workers instill in young people. These values, like who we were saying earlier, solidarity and uh, and uh, resilience and uh, um, empathy, compassion. These are things that could prevent not necessarily a pandemic, because there are many factors that don't depend on youth work, but could uh, bring a new way of dealing with a future pandemic. And then another contribution that youth work would bring is from a community perspective. Uh, and it's about the fact that uh, the others are as important as you are. And again, this uh, leads me to what Hui was saying, that we are part of a community and we should be thinking about that community. And youth work is an important place where you develop this awareness that you cannot function alone as you uh, can do it in a community. And this community building uh, a function that youth work can, uh, can bring is very, very important in these hard times. Nice. <laughs> yes. And would you generously offer a question for our next guest? <laughs> I am very generous because I need to practice what I preach. Um, <laughs> generosity is part of my, uh, of my values. And I, I've thought of, of several questions. I could have proposed several, but I decided to pick only one because I was uh, reading the other day the speech that uh, Martin Luther King gave many years ago, uh, where he said something famous that remained in human history, I have a dream. And uh, I would like to ask the next guest what is their dream as youth workers or as youth work supporters? Oh, good one. Good one. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for talking to us. We will add all the links to the social networks and the website of Youth at Work to the text of this episode so people can easily find more information about the events, the research and all the initiatives of the partnership. And I, well, we can also give first-hand information because we just today we finished a meeting where we decided and um, fine-tuned this idea that actually with your episode today, we start the Youth at Work season, let's say, of this podcast. And we will have five guests coming from the network to talk about an array of topics, all very useful for youth work. And um, we want to thank you for that cooperation. We are very excited about it as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you talk so about much. generosity. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you both so much for joining today. Uh, I hope you have uh, good times of isolation, but still feeling together with others. Yes. And um, hopefully we will meet soon in person for a hug. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for you. this. Thank you. This podcast is powered by Tim Maish, UMAC, University of Applied Sciences, and New Network Partnership.